Welcome to Sleepless in St. Canard, the nostalgia places run cycles. I'm Kitty. And I'm Ange. And we haven't slept in 30 years. This is a podcast about the 90s Disney cartoon, Dark and Duck, where complex psychological conditions are represented by sparse living quarters, where we repeatedly open and close the door of our egos just to slam it shut again. But today, we head deep into the inner works and trenches of inside Binky's brain. Very exciting. An actual cartoon episode that isn't comics. Exactly. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? I was just telling Ange before we started recording that I've been so spoiled so long I had to like just show up and now I had to take notes and, and watch something and not just hang my head and, and groan occasionally. So here we are, friends, back to the original format here. Okay, so if you would like to watch this episode uh, before we dive right on in here, it's on Disney Plus, a season one, episode 55, Pinky takes a turn playing the hero. I mean, that's which is that's true. Accurate. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a good one. No beak puss at all. So there we go. Have any opening thoughts on uh, the episode before we dive right in here? Uh, so just out of sheer curiosity and probably a bit of boredom, I was curious as to whether or not Binky was an actual name or if it was, you know how Peggy, for example, is short for Margaret? I was wondering oh, yeah. if Binky was short for anything. So I went looking it up and I couldn't find anything. The closest I could find is... It's spelled in the show B-I-N-K-I-E, and the closest I could find was when it ends with a Y, and apparently it is, I forget what language, but it means field of beans. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. It's a beautiful, beautiful beanie name. Yeah, that that was basically my research for the week for this episode. Well, I also feel like um, things that little kids are attached to, like a blanket or something like that, are sometimes called a binky. Or is that a pacifier? I think it's a pacifier. Yeah. I know that in the Discworld books, Death's horse is named Binky, with a Y. And that's the extent of all the binkies I know. But yeah, it's interesting. Field of beans. A field of dreams, but more beanie. Yeah. Um, Musical. Yeah. Well, I also... (laughs) I also have not watched this episode in a very long time. It's so, a good spoiler one. Spoiler alert. It is a it very is. good it's one. It's fun. Um, and spoilers to anyone who does not remember this episode. Megavolt's in it. <laughs> I completely forgot that Megavolt was in it. And was delighted when he showed up. So our episode, is it's a, a weird fourth wall shattering episode too. There's a couple of those. But this one I think really takes advantage of that. Um, because the episode opens with public enemy number one himself in the slime, Dr. Slug. Here we were thinking we were going to get away from slime. And he's riding like an ATV covered in buzz saws, <laughs> like chasing down a launch pad and uh, DW getting them co- like cornered in an alley. And, uh, you know, it's one of those situations. It's like, where? Well, how will our heroes ever escape? And then. Darkwing just shatters time and space and stops and starts talking directly to us. 
uh, to respond to some viewer mail. It's like, now would be a great time to, to read some viewer mail. Is this the only time that Dr. Slug appears in the show, do you know? Yes, it's the only time, and he has an actual speaking role. I think mm. pretty much every other time he shows up, it's just he's mentioned as a side, like a joke, essentially. I think it's great, too. I think that that's so funny that he is public enemy number one. He's just this giant blob. What does he do? He's just got the little, you know, like, surgeon's mirror headband thing on his head, and he's just a sentient blob of slime. So I guess he's a slug. He's he a slug. Really look like a slug. But anyway, I think it's funny that he's, like, the biggest bad in the whole show, allegedly, and... This is the only time he's in it. You just hear about him. Oh yeah, so Darkwing's like, we're gonna do some viewer mail. Which, I don't know if you remember was a thing. Like, it was a thing that shows used to do. Um, the most most frequent one that I encountered, because I know who I am, and I still just watch them on repeat, even though I've seen them all. The Mystery Science Theater 3000 used to do viewer mail basically every episode, and they would just Read their fan mail on camera. So I tried to look up to see if, you know, where it started, but it was just a lot of like late night talk shows and stuff. And I was like, I don't care that much to look into this. But it's, uh, it's a bit of a time capsule because I don't even think they do that so much anymore. It's just, you know, like your tweet will show up at the bottom of the screen or they'll do like a QA with whoever. But back in the olden days, you had to write letters and send them to P.O. boxes and wonder if they were ever received. Good way to dodge so. questions from people and pretend like you never saw them. And then get to read super real letters as Darkwing does. <laughs> Which he, uh, it starts, it's basically... Dear Darkwing, what makes you the world's greatest hero? Is it your jaunty good looks? Your staunch moral fiber? Your dashing deeds of daring do? Hey, that looks like your handwriting, DW. I'm trying to make a point here. <clears throat> Just hamming it up big time in Launchpad. Leans over his shoulder. He's like, hey, DW, that looks like your handwriting. <laughs> it's like, yes, of course it does. Because Darkwing. And he doesn't even deny it. He just completely undeterred just continues to read his letter to himself. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. So it's basically the question that he's asking himself is what makes uh, you know, a hero a hero. And then he goes to the Darkwing case files and we open it up to the case of the housewife hero. Um, I feel like they did this in something else too. Was it the haunting of Mr. Banana Brain, where he it was? Yes, they were telling a story and they kept cutting away. Yeah, never come back to Doctor Slug. No, <laughs> never. We don't know if this is actually where Darkwing and Launchpad die, but <laughs> that is the end of Doctor Slug. <laughs> and maybe Darkwing and Launchpad do. I mean, that could very well be. They just had to tell one more story before they, they died. But we, we open up our, our tale of the case of the housewife here with the Muddlefoots tag teaming some yard work. And Herb, Herb is weed whacking, but also using an electric razor to, to trim his lawn. He's just really taking 
lawn care to the next level. And uh, then I just wrote like 11 exclamation points because he says something that I say all the time. The only other person in my life that I made watch Darkwing Duck enough that they know what it is. Gee, banking and modern technology, wonderful. <laughs> says it's so weird it's wonderful i love it so much and as he says this his surge protector filled with electric plugs just bursts into flames and he starts screaming for for help he's like oh emergency fire call 911 and then immediately goes 911 <laughs> oh, made me laugh but pinky being this calm collected woman that she is just goes to the outlet next but they she has they have a hose right next to the outlet so she grabs the, the hose and and fire like you know douses the fire but also i feel like having a water hookup right next to an electric outlet is probably not a great idea uh makes me wonder if this house was built by the muddlefoots yeah. Um, well, they did say something about uh, was it house ha- burning down again? Yeah, so maybe they did rebuild it. <laughs> I that's what I was thinking too. I, like once that lion came up, I was like, oh, maybe they did build it and then burn it down and then rebuild it, and they just made different, new, exciting mistakes. So I want to imagine that there's a muddlefoot contractor out there somewhere living it up. Uh, but they also have an in-ground pool, which is very fancy. Lucky um, them. Although that's a and lot then, of work, Cools. So it is. It is. But you know what? With Herb and Binky working together, they make it they make it work. I also don't know if I would trust a uh, swimming in a bump muddlefoot pool. I don't know. They're pretty domestic. It's probably fine. Probably. Probably. It's probably the cleanest part of their house. <laughs> um so then this is our first introduction to the running theme of the episode is safety first, where Binky is chastising Herb for his nearly burning down the house. And she gets a big old soggy hug because of it. And that's when he says it would have been a darn shame to burn the house down again. Which just proves that the Muddlefoots rise from the ashes like phoenixes every time. They are eternal and unstoppable. It's absolutely true. Uh, So then Binky just starts praising him for how well he cleaned up the backyard. But of course... Of course, he just shoved it all into the shed, and she goes to open it up while he's complimenting him, and tragedy strikes as Binky opens the shed door and is rushed to death with an assortment of all kinds of things. I tried to pause it to see what all of it was, but the contents, in short, are a dartboard, there's a birdhouse, rakes, hoses... Uh, broken cardboard boxes, sneakers, basketballs, an inta- inflatable pool float thing that kind of looks like a dinosaur, uh, flower pots, a sock, and, uh, gardening shears. Oh, and then, of course, the piece de resistance is a bowling ball, which works its way slowly down the pile to crush Binky's head. Like, they're... she should have died, really. It just, like, smashes her right in the, like, right in the face. Maybe uh, Darkwing pausing time and space at that very moment slowed its descent. Oh, that could be. Yes, because this is where he does, indeed. Bend time and space to pause it and we get our first uh, very anatomically researched and scientifically proven 
voyage into the quote-unquote human brain as we go into Binky's brain where they just kind of hop in there and materialize in two armchairs with doilies on the tops. Basically, it just looks like a Spartan version of the Muddlefoot house. But the armchairs are looking out her win out her um, eyes like they're windows. So that's pretty neat. The launchpad comments that he expected it to be a lot more squishy than Darkwing. Goes through all the very scientific process of explaining that inside everybody's brain are little doors that have emotions and senses behind them. The first one he opens is the anger door, and I don't really know what happens to him. Like a tree falls on him? I think so. Like a, lo a log? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Binky is secretly a, a furious lumberjack. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't know what that means. Um and then he opens the the sound door and a giant trumpet blasts him. But the most important door of all uh, is trapped inside everybody's brain is a little hero and it's just a little knight on a horse clanking his javelin on the bars that he's trapped behind. And this was my first it should have been my first clue that Megavolt was going to be in this episode because the little hero is voiced by Dan Castellaneta, or however you say his name. I'm sorry, Dan. I was going to say, as soon as I heard its voice, it reminds me of Itchy and Scratchy from The Simpsons. Mm. <laughs> yes, it's that high-pitched, squeaky kind of voice he does. Let me out of here! Let me out of here! So, that's our, our little hero, and as we're admiring him, the time catches up and Binky is smashed in the face with a bowling ball. And when that happened... I thought to myself, when did this become a thing? Because I felt like this happened a lot, especially in the 90s and maybe the, the late 80s, like TV shows where someone would get hit on the head with something and then they would have an alternate personality until they got knocked on the head with something again. Yeah. So I, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole here and uh, there was apparently a bad guy in the Adam West Batman show that was King Tut would get hit on the head and think he was King Tut, and then he got hit on the head again. He he was back to normal. It happened in an episode of Charles in Charge, apparently. And the one that I remembered the most was the Flintstones, where a bowling ball, a literal bowling ball, falls on Fred's head, and then he becomes like a fancy boy. And then when he gets hit on the head with the bowling ball again, he turns back into regular Fred Flintstone. But yeah, just like okay, so this is just blunt force trauma turns people into different people. Uh, Makes sense. I would like to add that I was always disappointed because in the cartoons, bowling balls have those three little holes that you stick your fingers in. But mm -hmm. every time I went to a bowling alley, it was just small little metal balls, like bowling balls, but there's no holes. What? Yeah, every time that I, like, I've never seen a bowling ball in real life that has the three little finger holes. It was always just a ball without any kind of holes on it. That is... Very interesting, because every bowling ball I've ever seen has those three little holes in it. Huh. I'm Canadian bowling might be different? I'm gonna have to look that up now, because I'm a little confused. <laughs> I thought I thought maybe they were just lying to me, but maybe I'm just too Canadian. But this is also, I think, the origin story of Darkwing Bowling Ball. Duck pin balls. It says here, they lack finger holes. They are slightly larger than candle pin balls. 
why oh goody that Cora website popped up oh there you go the first answer says this is the dumbest question I've seen all day oh wow yeah uh, looks like yeah we have bowling balls without holes mostly every bowling alley I ever went to they never had holes and it was very awkward because you have to pick it up in your hands and you can't grip onto anything like a big ski ball yeah and i i went to a bowling alley just last year actually and i won somehow i managed Woo! to repeatedly win even though i am a terrible bowler in general but i think we're getting a little off topic here but no this is now a bowling podcast <laughs> where we discuss in depth the the nuances and subtle differences between u.s bowling and canadian bowling it's mostly about the holes it's all about the holes all about the holes baby that's interesting i was honestly very concerned about the lack of of holes in your bowling ball so <laughs> okay but no you have not been lied to uh typically at least i guess in america bowling balls do have those three holes in them for your fingers to go in intriguing so, so there you go i'll keep that in mind mm -hmm. and speaking of minds as the bowling ball hits Binky's brain, he escapes, the little hero escapes his confinement and just completely decimates Darkwing and Launchpad. <laughs> just beats the snot out of them. We don't really get to see that because we go back to reality where Herb is desperately trying to shake the traumatic head injury out of his wife. Oh, thank God! You warned me not to stack so much stuff in the shed. Speak to me, and from now on, my motto will be safety first. Oh, safety first. And then those magic words reawakens the near-dead Binky, and she lives on with a new purpose. She has to safety-proof this city. And then gives rapid-fire kisses to her husband runs off she kind of like prances away i think yeah prances is very good it's a very good word to use darkwing starts talking about how he thinks a civilian might be able to make the city safer you might think your average citizen wanting to make the city safe would uh, join a safety group or start a newsletter but that loose little hero not binky a trifle askew but they're just such small steps she doesn't follow them she soars with filling in potholes with look, what looks like pancake or cake batter. I don't really know how well that would work, but hey, somebody's got to do it. And then she's cleaning off a traffic light while hanging upside down. <laughs> she's a woman of so many talents. And then she does, I think, what we see her do for most of the episode after this is just vacuuming up the sidewalks. <laughs> just She's not plugged into anything. She's just on a on a mission who is vacuuming up litter and winds up vacuuming up a poodle who, to be fair, at one point was part of a litter. Hmm. Um, but then, you know, she vacuums up the dog and the lady whose dog it was is like, oh, my poochie's gone. And then Binky, completely unaware that she had just killed this woman's dog, um, reminds the woman of, of leash laws. <laughs> And that it's her own fault that her dog ran away. <laughs> Basically. Uh, meanwhile, in the diamond store, it's being robbed by Megavolt. 
here he is. Um, and the terrorized little store clerk is saying, please don't hurt me. You can have all the jewels. And I just, I know we say it every time, but his delivery is so good. His just delivery just makes everything he says. Please don't hurt me. You can have all the jewels. I don't want any jewels. I want the display lights. <laughs> it's my mission to liberate all the innocent light bulbs enslaved by society. There, run, be free, frolic in the wilderness. And then he gives us a, a brief glimpse into why he does what he does. The heart of Megavolt. Let's liberate all the innocent little light bulbs that have been enslaved by society. And then they puts them on the ground and tells them to run free, frolic in the wilderness. <laughs> As he sets them on the floor and he starts shooing them away because they aren't moving. Because they're light bulbs. Uh, he says, oh no, they can't move. They've been weakened by their long servitude. <laughs> I'll nurse them back to health. So good. <laughs> so good. It's just a perfect scene. It truly just like in five seconds tells you exactly who he is and how ridiculous he is. Like, I'm just imagining a 12 pack of light bulbs just grazing in a field somewhere. <laughs> Megavolt just sitting there with a tear sliding down his cheek and filling up his goggle. When you think about it, it's actually kind of a nice motivation, too. It's not even for selfish means. He just wants those light bulbs to be free and happy. He does. He does. He's like the, the poison ivy of light bulbs. <laughs> and, but he starts gathering up the light bulbs to bring them somewhere to recharge. But he's just literally putting them loosely in a sack. <laughs> so they're probably all going to get smashed anyway. But, you know, who could say? But Darkwing shows up. This is all happening inside the store while Binky is still vacuuming up the street and the people on it at this point. She's just vacuuming up entire people. Yeah, Megavolt runs out of the store and she safety first closes the door behind him so that Darkwing and Launchpad splat against it. Uh, and Darkwing, instead of chasing Megavolt, decides to yell at Binky instead. Because why not? Uh, but in the process of him yelling at her, he inspires her to be a hero. And uh, at the very least, suit up. She runs off screen and comes back with her own ensemble over her usual blue dress uh, with the pearls still showing. And I love that. It's beautiful. And it's really not a terrible outfit either. It, it's, it's not, not uh, too bad. She's got big sensible boots on, which I enjoy. She's got a cape and some chest armor the helmet that has some goggles on it and she has a life preserver around her waist <laughs> which I think is pretty spectacular Darkwing and Launchpad are both rightfully concerned that she just ran off screen and somehow came back immediately with a full hero costume she proclaims herself to be the Canardian Guardian Champion of Safety and Launchpad immediately starts trashing her costume <laughs> This is horrible! You're not kidding, D.W. Red and white are just not her colors. <laughs> he just immediately dunks on her look, which I don't think is really fair. Would you like to weigh, weigh in? How do you feel about the Canardian Guardian's digs? I think uh, 
it makes sense. It's practical. It may look ridiculous, but so does everybody else in this show. So she's not really that far off. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she actually has more function when you think about it. Even with the little life preserver, you know she's going to use it. She's going to throw mm-hmm. that at somebody. <laughs> yeah, right. If somebody's drowning in a pool, she doesn't have to worry about herself going under. She's just going to be floating already. Yeah. I think. I think it's a pretty good one. It's a lot better than Darkwing's makeover look. I can't remember. Is she wearing rubber gloves? Oh, I don't think she's wearing rubber gloves. I do think she is wearing gloves. I was going to say maybe they're I like dishwashing. Because so. that, also... be. that would be useful for any kind of dangerous electric stuff. Mm-hmm. Which maybe she's not then. As we will find out later. Mm-hmm. Um foreshadowing um but yeah so then we we just pick up with banky being a hero where she's literally on top of a skyscraper and jumps off screaming safety first (laughs) (laughs) which i think might not be uh the best thing to do but she you know she has an umbrella she's fine she lands gently on the ground to close a man coal cover, which of course then there's a man in the manhole and injures himself. But just her jumping off the skyscraper screaming safety part first is incredible. Do you think they were intentionally trying to parallel Darkwing, whose slogan is let's get dangerous? Um because hmm. it's basically the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean probably. I I didn't really connect that until you just said it, but I'm not exactly the quickest person in the world, so yeah, I'll buy it. I think it also is just one of those heavy-handed like moral lessons episodes where it's like, hey kids, you need to be safe. You need to wear a helmet and all that stuff, even though she's not particularly good at conveying her own <laughs> message because, you know, she just closed a manhole cover on the head <laughs> and then she creates the world's tallest pile-up to get a nail out of the road afraid that somebody might pop a tire so she's not she's not really nailing it (laughs) oh (laughs) but yeah i mean that his whole thing is let's get dangerous so yeah most likely most likely i could kind of see that that um pitch meeting going like well his thing is let's get dangerous why don't we have like somebody who's safety oriented who could that be why don't we make it Binky? Perfect. Let's do it. So yeah, as Binky's running around doing the Canardian Guardian thing, Megavolt is back at it himself, and he's got a ladder on a hand cart, which, you know, is not very safe in and of itself. Um, and he's trying to liberate the light bulbs from a movie theater marquee before he can get really too far. Darkwing shows up at the top of the ladder somehow. <laughs> Uh, does his I am the terror that flaps in the night speech, which in this one is I am the burned out light bulb you cannot reach. I was going to say, except Megavolt absolutely can reach them. He can. That's why he has the ladder. <laughs> See, Darkwing, come on. Um, so Megavolt starts climbing up the ladder to murder Darkwing, and the, the cart starts rolling. Um, I kind of expected her to chide them for being on this dangerous, precarious thing. But instead, she sees a banana on the sidewalk, and instead of letting this degrade into a Mario Kart race, she just uses her super powerful 
derriere to bop the cart and set it wheeling down the street in the opposite direction where it unexpectedly just doesn't like crash into traffic and finds its way into some railroad tracks <laughs> and they go down the railroad tracks for a while until they get to a train um like like a tunnel but somehow even though they're both standing on the ladder they splat against opposite sides of the tunnel opening it's fine and then they just kind of slide down to the ground and megavolt pure brilliant megavoltness just starts yelling at darkwing that that lady in the cape almost killed us you're supposed to protect the city from people like that i know i know i'm sorry i i tried to stop her before but wait a minute you're the villain i'm not supposed to apologize to you and Darkwing starts to apologize, but then remembers he's talking to Megavolt and starts yelling at him and then gets hit by a train, because of course he does. And then um, Megavolt just continue, just decide, just actively plots to murder Pinky. His plot to murder her just kind of pays off, because she's cleaning up a trail of black slime, presumably Negaduck, <laughs> in in his slimy, inky glory. And then she, she mops it all the way up the stairs of a tall building until Megavolt closes the door and tells her that he fell for the old grease trail trick and ties her up. And she just very politely says, "You, Sir, you can't do this to me. <laughs> oh, clearly, honey. Clearly he can. And he ties her to an aircraft beacon tower and is about to zap her when he then sees the big light bulb on the top and gets distracted while Binky informs him that he cannot take that light bulb because it's a safety hazard because the airplanes and aircraft will not be able to see the building and Megavolt is just delighted to know this and <laughs> decides to let her be killed that way instead and you know and we get the voiceover from Darkwing saying that the only one going to get hurt in the situation is very close to me. Me! <laughs> they go into Megavolt's brain. So before the Thunderquack crashes into the building, they go inside Megavolt's brain. And instead of the oily covered armchairs, there's two electric chairs that they just kind of wake up in. And they try to find Megavolt's little hero, who pretty difficult to find, but then they find a cuckoo clock and instead instead of the cuckoo inside the clock the little hero is tied up inside there help me help me <laughs> yeah it's pretty funny and then they go back to reality and they take out the tower with the thunder quack and think he goes flying and they like grapple hook her into a, you know a comedic series of events of her basically yo-yoing back up and smashing on top of the thunder quack and then everybody crashes and as he pulls himself from the wreckage, he's immediately yelling at Binky. Mrs. Muddlefoot, what are you? Shh, please. That's my secret identity. I'm the Canardian Guardian now. Help me. Come on, Darkwing. You know this. Jeez. Blow up her spot. He declares that she has to stop Megavolt because the, the rope he's using pulls apart too easily and it's a safety hazard. And Darkwing informs her that you can't catch him by yourself. And she very generously allows Darkwing to be her sidekick for this <laughs> this mission. And Darkwing very gracefully 
has a complete meltdown. Hold it! You can't possibly catch a master criminal like Megavolt all by yourself! Oh, all right. You can be my sidekick. Just try not to get in the way. I can be her sidekick! Come on, DW. A sidekick's gotta be quick. Launch that! I will play along to keep Picky from getting hurt, but I am not her sidekick! Launchpad's like, why don't we take a look inside a sidekick's brain? And thankfully, we never actually do get to see the inside of Launchpad's brain, but we just get to hear like some running commentary as they crash around inside um, about how it sure is empty in here. <laughs> and Launchpad says, watch your step, DW. There's some screws loose in here. Which I thought was pretty, pretty great. They really love to burn Launchpad. <laughs> They do. As as much as he likes to diss people's fashion sense, he also gets dragged pretty regularly. So that's our commercial break, and by the time we come back, we've caught up with Megavolt in the bad part of town, which has a pretty great intro that Darkwing gives it. We caught up with Megavolt in the bad part of town. Yes, the bad part of town, where the sun never shines, where brutality is a way of life, and where... Oh, people just, really, they're really not very nice at all. Really. It's wonderful. And then we see Megavolt's mode of transportation is just a pickup truck. I did, did not peck him as a pickup truck kind of rodent, but here we go. Binky tries to stop Mr. Volt as he's in his pickup truck and tells him, you're not going anywhere. You're really serious. And he's like, oh, yeah, why not? And she's like, because you're not wearing your seatbelt. <laughs> oh, Binky. He alerts the world to the, the hero's presence, and they get completely surrounded by brutes as Megavolt drives away. Darkwing gets his tail feathers handed to him, as he usually does. And then Binky just walks out there and completely cleans, cleans out. She mops the floor with everybody. Just telling them how unsafe they are, and demonstrating how unsafe the weapons they are using are, and just completely ruins these men's lives. <laughs> and their <laughs> careers. And their careers, and really damages their egos, I, I'm sure. But not as much as Darkwing, who just watched Binky Muddlefoot beat up everybody that he could That's not. That's true. <laughs> he just, he got turned into a pretzel, and she took all their weapons away and throws them in the garbage can. So, who's the real hero here? Then, speaking of real heroes, it's time to go inside Darkwing's brain. Um, it's kind of messy, a little bit in there. A little embarrassed by that. I think they were implying he has a cluttered mind. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, true enough. And we get to see his little hero, which looks the same as everybody else's, but he's got a big partner in his ego, which is a giant monster. He tries to crush them and just kind of beats them up off screen, as Darkwing Duck tends to do. So Darkwing at least is aware that his ego is his biggest enemy. Yeah, and I did like the word play on that where Launchpad says, gee, it's pretty big. And it's like, it sure is. <laughs> it's huge. It's like, it, it barely fits in frame. It's fantastic. Perfect. And then we catch back up with Megavolt, who's at an old abandoned power station at the outside of St. Canard. And he has all of the lights that he's liberated hanging from little strings 
across the roof and it looks pretty nice like a little boho cafe all these lights hanging around <laughs> um and he's going to rehabilitate them all so that he can release them back into the wild which again implies that megavolt thinks that there are feral feral uh light bulbs out there living as nature intended <laughs> and uh Pinky and, and Launchpad and Darkwing are kind of hanging out on a cliff next to them and Pinky has taken the precaution of making sure Darkwing is extra safe and has padded him with pillows and all those sorts of things which come in immediate handy because he falls down the cliff and doesn't die. So you're welcome, Darkwing. <laughs> yeah, but then Megavolt just turns all his lights on, which really doesn't make much sense because well, he just turns them on. He, like, powers them on because he's going to, I guess, recharge them or whatever. And then Darkwing's about to shoot Megavolt with his gas gun, and Binky very wisely tells him not to point guns at people. But, you know, the glue trap that was in the gun gets fired into the air, and it hits Megavolt, Darkwing, and Launchpad. And now they're just stuck to the ground. Then Binky goes to unplug the power cord and electrocutes herself back into civilian mode and Megavolt then throws the switch Ooh. to blow up the power plant but effectively it would just kill all his light bulbs too because they start popping so I don't really understand I guess he's trying to, to kamikaze himself and all the light bulbs to take care of Darkwing humane euthanasia well there it is and Binky just Unplugs the cord, saves the day as <laughs> civilian Binky Muddlefoot, and uh, she is so she is a hero after all. And then uh, they say she's able to go back home the next morning. Prances to her husband Herbie McGurby, <laughs> who's they say it is the next morning that she's able to go to him and her standing outside grilling. So I can only assume that he is grilling breakfast for him and the boys. <laughs> And they slow motion run to each other and start dancing in circles until they get too close to that ever-powerful shed and Herb gets the blunt force trauma this time and turns into, I truly, honestly do not know <laughs> what exactly he, <laughs> he turns into. Because he's got like a black wig on, skirt, a vest, he's got jeans with the hawaiian shirt pattern but it's like it's it's jeans but with that pattern like on a patch like right over his model foot hole so i really don't know what's going on there and uh he's got some spiked bracelets on and sunglasses and he just starts swing dancing with binky and darkwing freeze frames and he says that that's the case of the dancing dimwit <laughs> and that's a that's a story for another time that's the end of the episode. We never find out if they get away from Dr. Slug. We never find out exactly what Herb uses his newfound fancy foot work for. I think he also did make mention that this was like their first date, except he wasn't wearing a dress. And that's the episode. You know what? It was beautiful. It is, I think, Megavolt and Binky combined. Just, they play off each other and they just make it really fun to watch. It's true because he's so he's he's very sarcastic. He's also crazy enough where he's kind of stupid. 
So it's a fun dynamic where he's just like, he's still evil, he's still sarcastic, and she's just so, like, good-naturedly pleasant and innocent that it's, you know, she's like, you're not going anywhere until you buckle your seatbelt, and then she threatens him. She's like, well, you can either do it for yourself or I'll do it for you. <laughs> it's like, that's her big threat to him. And he just gets to delight in being a villain in this episode, in between being fantastic and trying to save light bulbs and return them to the wild. You missed, you forgot to mention one of my favorite lines in this episode, though. Oh, please tell me. It's when Launchpad wants to go into Darkwing's head, and Darkwing is hesitating and making up excuses. Hey, I know, DW. Let's take a look at a real hero's brain. Well, that's a good idea, Launchpad. Uh, but I don't want to make you feel inferior. Oh, that's okay, DW. I'm used to it. Well, in that case... <laughs> uh, at least he's self-aware. Yeah, mm. there's a lot a lot of good lines in this episode. I feel like you could just do sound clips of the whole episode and cut out 90% of what we talked about. But <laughs> it's just a fun one. From start to finish, it's a good one. And, uh, you know, it's it's really impressive how they were able to put so much accurate psychology and anatomy into this episode for kids. Oh, of course. So where do you think your little hero is in your brain right now? Uh, I'm going to say dangling off a cliff or crying into some ice cream. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, mine is most definitely face down in a gutter <laughs> crying <laughs> or it could just be face planted into a pillow wondering where it went wrong <laughs> so if everybody has a little hero in them that means that everybody must have a little villain in them too don't you think i want to think so right because it's interesting too that even darkwing in his own head just has a little hero it's not like the ego where it's bigger and he actively is a hero so that makes me think that even if, you know, to juxtapose that to the little villain, it would just be little even in somebody like Negaduck. I imagine that the little villain inside the villain's heads would be drawing, like, mustaches and all the kinds of inappropriate things on the little hero's helmet when he's sleeping. That's my thought. I guess, yeah. I guess also Negaduck's ego would be just as big and monstrous. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would say even more, but... I don't know if that's possible. They are pretty matched in their egos, so yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Negative ego is just giving his little hero swirlies all day. <laughs> so here we go. A muddlefoot centric episode to soothe our woes. How would you rate this on the Quackerware freshness scale? I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. Okay. It's pretty strong. Pretty strong. I'm going to give it. A 11,000 out of 5 for the Muddlefoot content. I think that's a very Because there fair. was a bit of it. Yeah, I mean, it was mostly Binky, but we did get some herb. Yeah, and we got some great herb herb lines in there. The Tekalology one gets me every time. It's just one of my favorite things is when people say things wrong. But you know they have to say them wrong in a very specific way because it's been written out. And he just, he nailed it. Like, no, no kids at all in this episode. They were, so. uh... I don't know, taken cover and or knew that the house <laughs> might burn down, so maybe they went elsewhere. Mm -hmm. 
And maybe the house was burning down, so Goslin came over and helped them fireproof the house, I guess. I was going to say help it burn faster, but yes. (laughs) Yeah, well, she had her ideas, but Hawker probably talked her out of it. But yeah, that was good. It's a good one. Oh, I did not populate the Wheel of Names. So I got to pick one. You should pick an episode that we watch next time. Oh, you're putting so much power into my hands. I know, I know. I think I have one in my head. So I'm going to disqualify Negaduck and Morgana because I feel like that's cheating and I always would pick an episode with one of those two. Okay. So I think, oh, I guess technically Morgana's in this one, but I think we should do Dead Duck. Okay, yeah, because that plays right into this one. But the safety first. Exactly. And I just, I like yeah. that Tony J is in it and it just has mm-hmm. a really funny concept and it's a good episode overall. Fantastic. Let's do it. All right. So now that we've got safety first, we find out what happens when you don't put safety first in our next episode, Dead Duck, where we get to see uh, the afterlife, the Darkwing Duck way. So in- until then, dear friends, remember. Do not put your hoses next to your electrical outlets, and crime doesn't sleep, and neither does the Canardian Guardian. Safety first. Safety first.